0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the For Greater Knowledge podcast by Tau Beta Sigma. My name is Allison Lehman, and I'm the National Vice President for Communication and Recognition. And this evening I'm going to be interviewing Dr. LaToya Webb, our National Vice President for Professional Relations. During our conversation, Dr. Webb and I will talk about her background, what interested her in music as a profession, as well as what she hopes to bring into the role of the National Vice President for Professional Relations, as well as our National Intercollegiate Band for 2023. Toward the end of the interview, we get to talk a bit more about her passions, other interests she has within music, including diversity, visibility, representation, and really being the best version of who you are and bringing all of the lessons that you learn along the way in that backpack um, right along with you. So I hope that you're excited to learn more about Dr. Webb and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Dr. Webb, I'm so glad that you're able to join us this evening. How are you doing today?
1: Everything's going well. Having a great day. What about yourself?
0: I'm pretty good. Busy day at work, but I'm always excited to do these podcast interviews, so it's kind of a a bright spot for me.
1: Awesome. We all look forward to doing something we like, right?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And this is kind of a newfound love might not be there yet but a newfound like that i have of getting to do these interviews talk about different aspects of the organization so i'm very grateful for the opportunity to to continue the podcast well, as we know, this interview and this whole episode of the podcast is focused on introducing you as our Vice President for Professional Relations for Tau Beta Sigma. So I think we should jump right into the, the center, the juicy guts of it, and learn a bit more about you. Um, so can you please just introduce yourself a bit more, maybe talk about your educational background and professional background?
1: Absolutely. So I'm Dr. Latoya with and I am from Richmond, Virginia, born and raised, all my school there, everything, so that is home. Um, Currently, I reside in Texas, Austin, uh, and I am the Assistant Professor of Practice and Conducting and Assistant Director of Bands here at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, So I get to work with the Longhorn Marching Band, uh, the Longhorn Pep Band, the Longhorn Concert Bands, Uh, teach undergraduate instrumental conducting courses as well as wind band literature and work uh, with the graduate conducting students occasionally.
0: That's great and I know this is your first season um, with the Longhorn Band right? Yes it is. That's exciting. I feel like getting started at a new school is always a great opportunity I feel like to learn about the community of course and about those students but also the rich history of the band program and the kind of different traditions that have pulled themselves along the way um, to the current band.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, have a pretty diverse background coming through education and music programs. So it's it's definitely something new, of course, um, just to learn the culture, not only of the school, but of the the music program of the uh, Longhorn Band and the other ensembles uh, at the institution. Uh, So that's really, really great. You know, I feel like when you are able to put yourself outside of your sameness and to get out and to learn about what others do, um, it makes you a well-rounded individual um, and pretty much sets you up for different scenarios and different situations. Um, to think quickly on your feet um, when needed, so I en- I enjoy it, and um, you know, looking forward to learning a lot more, looking forward to visiting other programs as the national vice president of professional relations uh, for Tau Beta Sigma, and um, you know, just building relationships and getting out here in the field more and more um, to learn about everyone else. So it's a pretty cool thing. And um, you're right about the moving. Um, <laughs> I came from Auburn, Alabama, from Auburn University before here. So everything just happened so fast. Um, so the moving experience, it, it, was, it went by really fast. And um, just getting here to Texas and trying to find a place, the housing market, is a little bonkers right now you know everything is so expensive here in Austin um, so you know just trying to find somewhere to live and thinking about you know this cultural change this environmental change and everything um, because the pollen caught me when I first got here the cedar pollen it, it really got me uh, so <laughs> I wasn't prepared uh, for that I thought I was coming from an area where the pollen was bad but Uh, this showed me otherwise, um, (laughs) coming over here to Austin. So I was like, oh, cedar, here you go, you know. I I don't think I've ever really experienced that. I think they call it like the cedar fever or something like that over here. Um, But whatever it is, uh, it, it definitely put me down for a few days and the heat, of course, is dry over here where it is more humid over in alabama where i came from so just getting used to the climate the environment like i said the atmosphere the culture and all of those things so um you know it's going to take a little bit of getting used to but nothing that uh, i'm not you know, afraid of or anything like that so right. i've all been of the so many places oh yeah oh yeah um and as far as my education you asked about that so i'll try to map things out for you <laughs> <laughs> for you about my education and professional background. So, um, I attended Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, which is a historically black college and university. Um, and I completed my Bachelor of Science degree there in interdisciplinary studies uh, with concentrations both in music and education. And from there, I went on into the master's program at Norfolk State. Um, the Master of Music Education program. Um, So we know masters typically takes two years. So after two years, I was out of there. And I went back home uh, to Richmond uh, to teach at my alma mater, which is Huguenot High School. Um, And I taught there for two years as an assistant um, director of bands. And then I landed a position um, as a full-time band director at Armstrong High School in Richmond, Virginia, and I taught there for three years. Um, So after teaching at Armstrong, I went on to Fairfax, Virginia uh, at George Mason University, uh, where I studied instrumental conducting uh, there with Mark Camphouse, well-known composer, and Anthony Maiello well-known conductor, you know, just music extraordinaire. Um, He's the coordinator of the Oral Skills Program there. And I also work with the orchestral director, uh, Dennis Ladendecker. Uh, So really different experiences there. Uh, George Mason does not have a uh, marching band or a football team. Uh, So I did not spend any time working on those type of skills in that area. So my main focus was just school as a full-time student, as well as teaching full-time. I taught as a full-time music director and activities and events coordinator at uh, Somerset Preparatory Academy in Washington, D.C. for those two years while I worked on my uh, master's in instrumental conducting. And then from there... I said, you know, I've always wanted to uh, get my terminal degree. That's always been something that I've thought about since my undergraduate years. I had a a teacher in one of my music courses that posed the question, you know, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, So we had an assignment to basically write out what those goals were. And it, it was always, you know, earn my bachelor's earned my master's uh, in music education, earned a master's in instrumental conducting and a terminal degree, was always a PhD in um, music education. Uh, so, you know, I went to Auburn, got accepted into Auburn, uh, worked there as a graduate teaching assistant for the music department as well as the bands and um, ended up teaching instrumental conducting, woodwind skills, Uh, music appreciation, working with the top ensemble there, and uh, working with the other two ensembles as well. Um, You know, the concert band and the campus band, which is more like a band for anybody on campus that wants to join a non-audition ensemble. And um, working, you know, just sectionals with all the other groups and just doing what I could, wherever I could. Got in where I fit in and learned a lot of different skills there as well and put some things to test and worked on creating uh, graphics, promo material, all, all the things. I did a lot um, at Auburn University. I'm very thankful uh, for those opportunities and for the, the access uh, to do those
0: things. Right. And I think that the role of the band director, it It covers so much like I think that your experience probably as an events coordinator also is helpful experience that translates into the director role and creating the graphics, as you just mentioned. Whether it's having the skills to be able to do it or having the experience to have an eye for you, what you would like your team to do um, when you have the team available to you so that's a lot of adaptability and transferable skills, Um, I want to take us back all the way to Richmond too, because um, I know you said you uh, went to undergrad at Norfolk State University. I'm also a Northeast District girl myself I'm from Boston University, so I have some uh, love for the green and gold at Norfolk.
1: Yes, um, come on, Nat.
0: That's right. <laughs> um, but thinking about where your love for music really started, um, is it something that you just always knew or how did that kind of blossom?
1: I started singing in the children's church choir uh, around three and a half years old um, in Morningstar Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. Um, So I think that's pretty much kind of where that love came from. I'm sure, you know, some people say that,
0: oh, if your parents play music for
1: you, well, you know you're in your mom's belly or whatnot. You know that could be part of the thing. So I don't know, but <laughs> she she always tells the story that I always bounced around in her, you know, in her belly and on her um, while she was pregnant with me. And uh, She says she always says that I knew you were gonna do something with music. That's why wow. I named you La- Latoya after Latoya Jackson, right? So. <laughs> Um, so I'm not sure like if it was instilled before mm-hmm. um, talking about that process um, with my mom and being pregnant with me, but um, like I said, I started singing in the children's choir um, at Morningstar Baptist Church when I was very, very young. Um, and I really enjoyed that experience uh, because I got to see my friends at choir rehearsal. Um, I got to sing, which is one of the things that I, I really enjoy doing. Um, so I think the passion and the love for music started there and it just kept going. All right,
0: that's wonderful. And then thinking about um, about Da Sigma a bit more, so from doing an OMRS search of you, I also know that you were an active member um, of the Epsilon Sigma chapter and are now a life member as well. So could you talk a bit about what the experience was like being an active member? Um, Anything you wanted to comment on about that?
1: Oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, they say your college years are some of the best times of your life. Um, And I I truly agree with that. Um, I had a really, really fun time at Norfolk State University and um, viewing the Epsilon Sigma chapter even before I was part of that chapter uh, as a member. You know, they did so many service activities, and um, they were always present, and so just me seeing them, getting to know them on a personal level, uh, it was—it's just set the tone for me being interested in not only the organization, but being interested in learning who those individuals were, not just in the organization, but also outside of the organization, which is extremely important, uh, so... We, we did so much from service organizations, events uh, that we did on campus, that we did off campus, uh, always present. There was one event that I really enjoyed, which was the um, the TBS pageant <laughs> that we did every year. So that was always really fun, the planning and execution. Uh, of that pageant uh, with the band members, the, the, who were interested in becoming, you know, Epsilon Sigma, uh, King and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. And, um, just all the different service, like working with the uniforms. Uh, my mom taught me how to sew at a very young age. Uh, so when I got to Norfolk state and, uh, join Tall Beta Sigma like uniforms like I was like okay yeah heck yeah I know how to sew you know like I have this skill um, so altering uniforms for games or you know for the season uh, fixing a button or something during the season if it fell off or if somebody just happened to you know get down in the dance routine <laughs> and I kind of bust the seam of their pants, then I was always ready, you know, to be that person when they come knock on my door and, ah, could you please help me? Of course. Um, So that, that was always a big thing for me, uh, working with the uniform uh, committee and the members of uh, Tau Beta Sigma. Uh, It was always a good time. It was always like a great hang, no matter what the activity was, what we did. It was, it was always great. Uh, So serving the band food for certain trips or for certain events, Um, serving food in the community uh, for events such as uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas dinners, things like that, Uh, working with the band director uh, very heavily talking about you know strategies on how to make the band better, make the rehearsal better, make things go more efficiently or effectively um, just building the morale of the band and the students um, because I, I what I've noticed at uh, some of the other institutions, more so the predominantly white institutions that I have had the opportunity to work with is that uh, those groups, Don't always work out together. And when I mean workout, I'm talking about like the physical aspect of getting your body trained. So physical training. Um, But when you typically go to an HBCU, you see the entire band working out as a unit. Uh, So we're running with the campus. Uh, We are on the track. We're running stadium stairs. We're doing jumping jacks over here. We have another station on the track where we may be doing sit-ups and you know different things uh, so in, in those times when I say that you know TBS was really part of the spirit and uh, building the morale and the motivation and energy and in, in the band um, if they saw somebody lagging behind while they were running you know we're going back to go get them you know you can do this come on let's go um, so just things like that uh, so those experiences And those uh, memories will live on, you know, forever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I brought you back to your active member time, but now I want to kind of throttle us all the way to the now um, in your role as a vice president for professional relations. So I actually don't know this information, so it's a really good question. Um, What interested you in the opportunity to serve in this way? Uh, Maybe how you were approached, things like that.
1: Yeah, so I could talk about, let's talk about how I was (laughs) approached first. (laughs) So uh, Dr. Tanya Mitchell Spradlin, uh, you know, director of bands at Penn State University, um, great colleague, uh, and I met her actually doing a, um, I went to the Athena, the All Girls Athena uh, music camp that typically takes place in the summer. Um, I met her there for the very first time and um, so that's how our relationship started Um, but she came to me um, you know a little bit before I guess she was deciding to exit out of the role as um, the national vice president for professional relations and um, she said you know I have you know an opportunity that I, I think you would be a great fit for so I'm just gonna you know Tell you about it and see what you think. Um, So we had a discussion and we talked through some things. She let me know about the role and what she had been doing. And she also discussed due to the pandemic, you know, some of the things that maybe she did not get to do because of the pandemic, um, but that she wanted to do or the goal um, in in mine and sight, so we discussed those things and she said you know just just think about it <laughs> uh so you know i did i thought about it and then erica pope who is now the president um, she also reached out to me and called me about the opportunity and i said you know i did talk with uh, dr mitchell Spradley. Um, But it's nice to talk to you, too, you know, (laughs) maybe you could give me a little bit more insight about uh, this role and uh, what you all may be looking for. So um, those conversations took place. I thought about it. And, um, you know, it's it's always an honor to be selected to serve in any capacity. Um, But, you know, this this is very near and dear to my heart uh, because of my my roots with. Tau Beta Sigma in um, undergraduate program at Norfolk State University, and those fond memories, that, that fond love. Um, and just, you know, the mission and the drive to carry out the mission and to carry out the vision of Tau Beta Sigma. Um, so, absolutely, it, it, it came to fruition in that way. Um, so, this role, you know, develops, it builds, it maintains uh, service relationships. Um, with not only Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma members, um, but also, you know, non-members within the music profession. We have people out here who aspire to be members of Tau Beta Sigma or aspire to be members of Kappa Kappa Psi. Uh, So, you know, you're not just thinking about the members who are already in the organization, but you're thinking about the future generations and always being an inspiration um, always empowering always encouraging um, others so this is a big part of that role um, also in this role you maintain you know the positive and the public image uh, for the organization as well as the profession mm-hmm. um, because you know we're thinking about that tier school work band duties tall beta sigma Right. Um, So before Beta Sigma, there's your schoolwork and there's your band duties, which which is this profession um, that I'm working in. Um, So it's we're thinking about that, those steps. And uh, the main focus for uh, this role is organizing uh, the National Intercollegiate Band, which is a time honored tradition and project.
0: And that's actually a perfect segue for me um, into <laughs> talking a bit more about the NIB. Um, so of course, the NIB is a, is the National Intercollegiate Band. It's the largest and I think longest running intercollegiate ensemble um, for members not just of Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma, but for any collegiate member who auditions and is selected to participate. And then they perform at each of our national conventions every other year. Um, so what is your experience with the NIB so far? Um, And then kind of what are your hopes to bring into 2023?
1: Sure, so my experience, I just had a very recent um, experience with NIB uh, this past July for the National Convention. So, you know, I'm very happy to speak about uh, that. Um, So the National Convention in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I was able to, since I knew that I said yes uh, to leading in this capacity. I'm the type of person that, okay, whatever I decide I'm doing, I'm going all the way in, and I'm learning, you know, everything that I can about what's happening or what has happened, and what should be going on or what other people would like to see happen. Also, taking into consideration, you know, my thought process, my vision, my interpretation, some of the things uh, that I would like to see. Uh, so I said, you know, well, the best way to learn about this position right now is just to get in and get in there with uh, Dr. Tanya mitchell Spratland to see what it is that she has been doing and what's going on and, you know, how I can assist her or shadow her um, while I'm here at the National Convention and, you know, just thinking about what, what I could do. Um, to be as active as possible and to make the transition um, as easy as possible. So that was extremely important for me to, to be there. Um, and visibility to me is so important. Um, just being visible, being present, um, because you know I'm not just representing myself, uh, but I'm representing the organization. I'm representing the music profession. Uh, so those things to me are, are extremely important. So I had to get to Grand Rapids. I had to figure out what was going on. I wanted to shadow. I wanted to learn. I wanted to see it for myself and observe um, what all takes place. And um, so and it was an opportunity for not only for me to work with Dr. Um, Mitchell Spratland, but for me to work with uh, Mr. Tony Falcone, who serves in this role for Kappa Kappa Psi. Um, so to start that, that relationship with him as well, because Um, We are now serving in the capacity together. Um, So it's great. Uh, So just forming those relationships early and getting to work, you know, hitting the ground running, which is something that I'm used to doing, (laughs) Uh, which is is really, really cool. Uh, But, yeah, thinking about that experience, I had the opportunity to work with the commissioning composer, Alex Shapiro, uh, for this go-round. And it was such a great opportunity to uh assist and you know help her with whatever she needed uh with this new composition and working with the students and to work with uh dr cynthia johnson turner who uh was the the conductor uh for this uh year's national convention this biennium's national convention uh so those opportunities are great again in this role the job is to, you know, maintain those relationships, especially those professional relationships on a collegiate level. Um, so with working with Dr. Johnson Turner and working with Alex Shapiro, um, that's, you know, part, part of that job. Um, so that was also very uh, delightful uh, to be there to do those things. Um, and to get to know the participants of NIB and to, you know, thank them uh, for our auditioning and thank them, uh, for their service, uh, for those, those couple of days and, um, well, those few days, uh, before putting on that, you know, wonderful performance. Um, it's a, it's an experience of a lifetime and, uh, you know, hopefully they all enjoyed that and everyone else who was able to come and to be part of that, um, that commissioning work uh, suspended by Alex Shapiro for the very first time. Um, so really, really nice uh, because her, that piece was written with thinking about the pandemic. So you can get a sense that, yes, it was a bit emotional uh, for some uh, for The growing through all of this time in the pandemic, not knowing like, you know, having a, a maybe a goal in mind and knowing how that would end up, uh, thinking about your straight path, Um, some people are just so focused and so organized and so, you know, they're, they're planners, but then when the pandemic hit, it's kind of like, okay, what's going on? Like, I don't have a plan anymore, or maybe I'm going to try to keep working with my plan, but I may have to make some changes here and there. Uh, so all of that, um, it was just, you know, a really great experience and to learn about, um, Alex Shapiro's work. And why it was written and thinking about the project, which is NIB uh, and her composing for that. So, all in all, a great experience. I got to learn the administrative, some of the administrative things that happen. I got to see some of the logistical things take place uh, in, you know, live time. And I got to go to the national convention, which is something that I haven't done in a while. Um, so, it was very enjoyable for me. And just exciting to be back in, in this uh, community and, uh, you know, get into work.
0: Being a participant in the audience at the National Intercollegiate Band, it was like a, a punch to the gut of emotion for me because it was the first live music that I'd heard in a year and a half, almost two years. And to have it be our organizations, to have it be all of these members who gave up their time, their energies, to serve and perform with the band and to think of all the work that happened um, through the pandemic to make it happen. Like I kind of have goosebumps right now even thinking about it of how much had to come together at the right time for us all to share in that premiere space together. Um, It was really beautiful. The NIB is something that I've enjoyed I think more and more for each national convention that I've been to. Um, And some of it is having a greater understanding of the work that goes into it and for this year specifically i really loved the the form of representation in that we had a female composer we had a female conductor we had a female vppr and and also a female incoming vppr and i think that especially for our 75th anniversary that was a great statement about the value of women in music and that our organizations the joint organizations invest in women in music and are supporting them moving forward Um, so it was a very special, special night, um, for us to listen to music together.
1: But now thinking about
0: the future, um, what are your thoughts for NIB 2023?
1: Well, um, there are, you know, quite a few things that I'm thinking about. Um, so social gatherings for the participants, um, for NIB oftentimes with this type of event, and you could also... Think, if you could think about honor band events that happen, or festivals uh, that happen in the music profession, um, the structure is similar. Uh, so thinking about a way to bring the participants, the members of this ensemble, together even before they get on the stage uh, to play together. Um, sometimes that can feel a little awkward <laughs> playing with people that you don't really know. Um, and, you know, the thing about music is that we all experience it in a different way. Um, and we all have different um, relationships or experiences of our own that we bring into the music making process. Um, so I think it's extremely important to build those relationships even before those participants get on the stage to play the first downbeat or tuning uh, sequence together um, just so that they can feel like you know, like, I'm, I'm welcome here I belong here okay this is great I'm getting to know the people that will be in my section for these few days or I'm getting to know my roommate that I am paired with um, while I'm here at National Convention um, so Things like that I think would be really great to have a luncheon or just something, some type of social or something just to bring the group together. There is a NIB luncheon that takes place, but that's kind of like after the ball gets rolling with NIB. So I think, you know, to create that sense of belonging and that community um, environment. Um, I think it's important to do something, you know, before they all get there and start playing together. So that's uh, definitely one of my focus areas Just thinking about that sense of belonging and the sense of uh, welcoming um, for the students. So that's a big part of it. I'm thinking about logistical considerations, of course. Um, whenever you have a particular venue um, that may be hard or easy to get out of, um, the tear down, the setup, and all of that stuff like, you know, thinking about the logistical things that take place um, for a concert um, that everybody doesn't usually have to think about. Um, but luckily, you know, for Tau Beta Sigma. Um, You know, most of the TBS chapters, they have had their hand in setting up the stage uh, for their, their concert bands or their concert ensembles at their, uh, at their institutions. They've had their hands in the logistical process, kind of like stage manager um, type of position. Uh, So thinking about those logistical considerations like that, maybe having Host chapters to help out with NIB that will be there um, to you know be of service uh, to the composer, to the conductor, uh, to the vice president for professional relations, and the, uh, the the participants um, wherever needed. So thinking about things in that way, also thinking about um, opportunities for grants and scholarships to possibly fund uh, some of the participants to come. Uh, to the event. Um, we know that, you know, it's, it's money. Everybody needs money for everything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has the money to do this or to do that. So creating opportunities and access, levels of access, where, you know, a student coming from anywhere could participate, uh, could participate um, in this, you know, big time-honored tradition and in this big service project. Um, for Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma. So thinking about things in that uh, way. So grants, scholarships, uh, or sponsorship, you know? Hey, I just sponsored your trip to NIB, um, 2023 in Orlando, Florida, you know, just let me know you know, I'll buy, purchase your ticket or I'll purchase your lunch for that week or whatever the case may be. You're covered. I've got your back. So thinking about those sponsorship opportunities that could come from active members as well as alumni members or, you know, whomever. Just thinking about
0: that. Whoever's um, got the money.
1: <laughs> yeah, who, whoever is willing, you know, to help, you know. Also thinking about sponsorship on a corporate level. So, you know, the corporate sponsorship um, from possibly Con Selmer, Yamaha, Remo, um, Innovative Percussion, Music for All, the list goes on. You know, there's so many different music uh, organizations and um, sponsorship opportunities out here. Um, So, Thinking about partnering to have this sponsorship, maybe to fund that social that I'm talking about that happens uh, before everyone gets on the stage to play for the first time, or maybe to fund an ice cream social during the event, or you know, to fund anything, uh, maybe some instruments that we need for this event. Um, because typically, for an IB. Um, we're reaching out to high school band directors, collegiate band directors, middle school band directors uh, for equipment. Um, so this could be an, a perfect opportunity for Con Selmer to provide some percussion instruments or Yamaha or Remo to provide some of those instruments uh, that we would need for um, this event. Also thinking about the website, you know, how can um, we make that more interactive and make it more um. So that when people go to the NIB website, uh, they know exactly what it is. There's some footage there. There's some videos there maybe of. Uh, Dr. Cynthia Johnson-Turner and maybe of Alex Shapiro discussing their experience from this past biennium Maybe some footage or videos discussing um, the participants Experience and what they felt or you know what they enjoyed about this experience or you know Maybe it was their first time in Grand Rapids. Who knows? Uh, so thinking about those things that can be shared um, so that like I said, you're always working to build the sense of community, uh, to build the sense of belonging. Um, so providing that type of information where people can kind of go get information and feel like, okay, you know, this is something that I can do. You know, this is something that I'm looking forward to doing or auditioning for. Um, so just just building uh, those pathways uh, to be as inclusive as possible. Um, so thinking about, Things like that with the website and the advertisement the promos uh, graphics uh, the photo gallery updating the photo gallery and all all kinds of all kinds of recruitment you know strategies Um, so that's one thing that I'm thinking about as well as well as the information on the website and how it is um, shown like thinking about the navigation of the content and, you know, where this link sends a person or that link sends a person and making sure that the right pertinent information is always available. Um, so thinking about the traffic that would come to that website um, for those people who are interested, for those people who have done it before, but they kind of want to, I don't know, go down memory lane to see if there are any pictures there of them when they played in NIB. Um, so, you know, you're always thinking about the different communities and how to better assist uh, everyone. Uh, so absolutely uh, that, and as well as um, just thinking about rehearsals or how to make the NIB experience more diverse when it comes to uh, the actual performance. Um, we know that this there's a large group um, that performs. But what if that group could be broken down into smaller groups like a, a brass feature or a woodwind feature or a percussion ensemble um, to kind of give the concert a little bit more a diverse programming and just diverse ways in general than your typical like okay concert. What if other things were to happen and you're thinking about the experiences uh, that the audience uh, can be part of, uh, the sensory experience, just the visual experience, all of those different things. So uh, thinking about that, thinking about Facebook and you know how the content is uh, marketed across social media platforms. And... The communication and relationships with the director of bands uh, for all TBS and uh, Kappa Kappa Psi uh, chapters. And, you know, really encouraging members who are not a part of the sorority or the fraternity uh, to, you know, at least consider an audition. Um, Sometimes people think that, oh, I can't do that because I'm not a member of this. Oh, I can't do that because I'm not a member of that. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't feel like you know I would fit in. Um so again we're working on the sense of belonging, the sense of welcoming, um, you know, just being inclusive and not just saying it, but you know, doing it, going through the action, showing it, and you know, working to always improve upon those things. It's a it's a constant measure of you know what's taking place. And another consideration for me for NIB is thinking about additional awards. Uh, Right now, there's the F. Lee Bowling Award um, that is given to uh, participants from a school, like, well, the most participants from a school in NIB. Uh, but I'm thinking about other, you know, awards that, uh, TBS typically give out in their other meetings, such as, you know, oh, the chapter that traveled the furthest or the person who traveled the furthest in NIB, maybe they could get an award. Uh, maybe there could be participation voter awards for, if we could think back to like your high school superlative topics, like, um you know, the most spirited person this week, uh, the most personable person this week, the most welcoming person um, in the NIB ensemble, or, you know, who do you think was the most musical person like that interpreted the music really well and you heard them all the time and, you 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 know, you got a sense of their interpretation or their vision for the music. So thinking about things like that, um, you know, just additional awards to provide, um and just uh avenues to recognize you know others i think that's a, a really a uh, really big deal and it could be a really big deal and which is something that could be really really cool
0: yeah and i think i wrote down a couple of words as you were talking about these ideas um, And the things that really stuck out to me were the idea of building community and belonging amongst the participants. And I think what I'm hearing it as is it's not just about those few days, but about building that community that lasts for the NIB and is constantly expanding with the new members and bringing in past performers so that they still feel valued for that performance and participation and kind of continuing that um, into the future. And the other two words that I wrote down were um, visibility and access. So whether that's from a, is logistics the right word? Like from the like the personnel aspect of making sure that we have all of the right people, the right partners um, and bringing in all of the right players into this performance and into this community. And also making sure that we're showing ourselves in the right light for the high level performance that will take place for the respect that the organizations have for this event um, and finding ways to make that. I think that those things are a part of the culture already, but to really highlight and hone in on them so that it's excellent moving forward. Yes. Yeah, so I think we're in for uh, some great things (laughs) for Orlando 2023 with regard to NIB and for the future. Um, yeah, and if I'm looking you
1: looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: good, me too, already. We're two years out, but it's never too soon to start planning and thinking, and that's even for the participants. I know, I feel like we need to le- leave in a little plug for Start Auditioning Prep Now, um, if you're interested in participating, that it's never too early to start getting ready um, for anyone that's listening out in podcast world.
1: Oh, yes. And again, you know, we want to plug in and put it out there that you don't have to be a member of Tau Beta Sigma or Kappa Kappa Psi, Um, but you may be an aspiring member and you may not be. And that's okay. But, you know, we're all here in the music profession. And, um, you know, if this is an opportunity that you would like to have. Um, And then if you're, I don't know, you may be thinking about being a professional musician one, one day. Uh, So this is another opportunity for you to add on to the audition experience and to get better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now I wanted to take. Kind of a turn in our conversation. And to think about just other aspects and things from my pre interview research of you that I believe to be some of the passions that you hold within music um, is really about representation and diversity. So, from reading an article that you wrote earlier this year in the Teaching Music magazine, um, the title is Empowering Female Conductors. And as I kind of just scan through the article, I see discussion about opportunities, um, stereotypes, ways to be a mentor, seeking mentors, um, role models. Can you just kind of expand on that idea? And of course, not just from the article, but about your thoughts about representation and about um, empowerment within music.
1: Sure. So with the representation in music, uh, we know that it, it's important, not just for music, but for re- really any feel. You know, when students don't see someone who looks like them, doing the thing that they may aspire to do, um, they may think that it's not for them, or it's something that they can't achieve. Um, so even if you are not that person that can be a representation for that student physically, based upon you know your attributes and how you identify, then find someone who can or who is um, that's the most important work um, that must take place um, to you know get these students out here get them someone that they look like have the representation out here um, no matter you know make sure that the people that you bring in are uh, good examples and you know these are people that are in the profession they're doing the work they do it well And, um, you know, they can share their experiences or possibly even become a mentor uh, to the students. So uh, just thinking about that, you know, I'm a co-founder of ICU Affirming Representation in Music, uh, which is an organization that I started with um, Dr. William Lake, who is the Associate Director of Bands at the Crane School of Music in SUNY Potsdam. Uh, And this organization is aimed to affirm Black, Indigenous, people of color in all fields of music. Um, And this organization provides a safe space for mentorship and networking opportunities. However, it is also a resource for people who identify differently uh, to learn of the BIPOC experiences, to navigate and to champion a more equitable environment uh, for all. Again, we're working to get this community built so that everyone feels like they're welcome, so that everyone feels like they are part of something so that everyone feels seen, everyone feels heard. Uh, So, you know, that takes a lot of hard work, um, but you have to, you know, be patient about it. Uh, You have to be passionate about it. And you have to realize that you know, there, there are failures that come with that, um, and that you won't get to the finish line all the time, or you won't get to the finish line the same time as someone else gets to the finish line, but it doesn't mean that you can't get there. Uh, so just thinking about that type of work. Um, and as, as I mentioned earlier, visibility, um, is so important to me. Uh, you know, I, I think throughout moving in this profession, I've always, put myself in the forefront, uh, to be visible. I'm at conferences I, you know, meeting new people, I'm networking, I'm doing the things that I want to do and I'm making sure that I do them well and I do them to the best of my ability. Um, because one thing about mentorship and one thing about being a role model is that you never know who's looking at you or what you're doing. Um, and so you could, so many people could be inspired by you, not, people not even in the profession, you know, it could be somebody in your family, it could be somebody who knows somebody else. Um, so you have to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward, and you are being, you know, that person that you want to be and that you want people to to know and to recognize you as. Um, so I always make myself visible in this profession. And, you know, I get so inspired just by hearing, uh, and learning of other individuals who are inspired by me. They don't know me. They're just inspired. You know, they're encouraged. They're empowered, um, by watching my journey, uh, move throughout this profession. Um, so, you know, that's encouraging to me. You know, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing again, because you never know who's watching you. You never know who's looking up to you. You never know who's, you know, trying to do exactly what you are doing. Um, so those, those things are very important to always be visible, um, because opportunities don't just fall in our laps and no one is Uh, no one's always going to give you an opportunity Uh, so you have to be comfortable with who you are as a person and what it is that you want and you have to be comfortable what it is that you can do or what maybe what you cannot do and that's your decision to become better to you know work on those strengths work on those weaknesses um, and to you know work towards becoming the person that you want to be Uh, so that is so so important um, and that's a big part of representation. You have to know who you are um, so that other people can know who you are. Uh, so for me, that that work is, you know, it's, it's something that I will continue doing um, because many people don't see someone who looks like me, a black female uh, in the music profession and definitely not, you know, as a conductor on, in higher education. Um, and it was a, something that I saw growing up. All of my band directors, my main band directors, are they are males. Um, but they were great. They were awesome. They were fantastic band directors. And, um, you know, I've learned so much from them over the years. Uh, there are many things that, you know, I still hold near and dear to my heart. Um, the integrity of their teaching, uh, the integrity of who they are. And while I hold on to those things, I'm still thinking about, okay, who are you? Like, this is who I am. So those things don't just go out of the window. You take them along with you in your backpack or whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, you're just constantly throwing things in your backpack. You're still adding on to these things. It's a lifelong skill. It's a lifelong journey. Um, And even though you know your path may not go the direction that you thought it would go um, you have to still keep that end goal in mind um, because that's where you're trying to get and so if an obstacle gets in your way pothole you fall in the pothole whatever the case may be you have to keep moving towards that goal whatever it may be uh, so yeah that's it's so encouraging so empowering to me um, and I, I I want to continue to, you know, empower and to inspire and to encourage others.
0: That's really incredible. And I think that it's not applicable just for musicians. As you said at the beginning, like everyone can learn from that mindset. Everyone can be a better, can be better at knowing who they are. They can be better role models. They can be better mentors, teachers. They can be better at ensuring that all voices are heard and that different, Um, types of people, all different types of people are within their community and feel that sense of belonging so that they can know who they are and celebrate who they are and work toward those goals. So I think that it's a really incredible, um, it's from transferable skills, but also just about helping people to, yeah, I'm all about transferable skills. <laughs> Listen, oh
1: my gosh, that is my thing. Like yep. transferring your knowledge base across disciplines, no matter what it may be, yeah. whether it's music, whether you worked in the banking field before music, it doesn't matter. Just being able to transfer your skills and all things may not apply, but, you know, think about how you could make it apply. Right. Um, so Yeah, transferring knowledge is big to me. I talk about that all the time with my students, um, all the time with the people that I mentor. I talk about it just in regular conversation um, because sometimes we get blindsided or sometimes we get into tunnel vision and then that transfer of knowledge goes away. Um, So teaching conducting, I speak about that often because as a conductor, you have to bring in many, many skills and transfer your knowledge over many disciplines um, so it's a it's a big part of that so you know I got excited when you talked about uh, that transferable piece there
0: I know. And since this is a podcast, no one else got to see like your arms (laughs) throwing in the air. It's a moment just for me. Yes. Um, (laughs) And I also liked your description of it, of this as the backpack, where you take the skills that you learn with you, you take experiences. I like to also think that you take people with you um, and what you've learned from them and those types of connections that it doesn't go away they're always right there in your backpack or walking alongside you depending on the circumstances um into each new thing that you head toward so yeah. i think that's really great
1: that's a big piece it's a big part of it it's a part of developing you know your philosophy mm-hmm. um, you to an extent we all teach you know how we were taught or mm-hmm. some of the things that we were taught Um, But, you know, it's your responsibility to not only take those things and some things you may want to keep and use some things you may want to redefine or change around and some things you may just want to get rid of altogether, you know, and that's okay. Um, But you're constantly working on you and, you know, what you want the next generation or the next generations to walk away with. Um, So it's it's a big part that I'm always thinking about.
0: Yeah. And we're coming toward the end of the um, interview for right now and running up on our time. But I did have a few like fun musician questions um, to ask you before we really wrap up. Um, So the first is, and actually, I don't even think I asked you this in the beginning. um, What is your primary instrument? Clarinet. Clarinet. And then I was thinking about the photo we took um, at the 75th anniversary brunch and you were (laughs) fluting. So I thought that it might've been the flute, but the clarinet. All right. I also started on clarinet. clarinet.
1: But I love to play the flute when I can.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then what would you say is your favorite piece that you get to play? Like if you could play one song right now, what would it be on any instrument you choose except for conducting? So I'm going to ask that next.
1: Oh my, um, (laughs) any piece? This is hard, because I haven't played all pieces. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I would definitely have to say something that allows me to improvise. Um, you know, I have a background in jazz, um, playing in high school uh, on on the alto saxophone and tenor saxophone. And I often played in church uh, on Sundays, my clarinet. Um, so hymns or whatever and just an opportunity to improvise and to express myself uh, through my instrument and my love and passion for music so I, I really wouldn't put a title on anything but I would just say that it would be something where I could express myself, who I am
0: I love that I, we also share that we both played in the jazz band in high school and I feel like that was the experience that helped me to really love music in a new way and the expressive nature of it. And it was a challenge because I also learned how to play saxophone (laughs) during jazz band from being a clarinet player. Um, And I think that there's a different type of life that exists within jazz music that lets you express yourself in new ways.
1: It is. And um, I'm so thankful for that opportunity. You know, at first I wasn't feeling it, you know, high school kid, you know, just mm. trying not to be wrapped up in all the extracurricular activities. But it's it's a thing for musicians. We're always busy. Uh, so it just kind of happens that way. Um, but I, I'm really thankful for that opportunity. As you said, you know, it, it provided me an opportunity to learn and feel music in a different way, to see other rhythms and to, you know, express myself how I want to on the instrument without being told by the, the notes on the page what to do. Um, so it was really cool. And to learn about everyone everyone else's role in the jazz band, like the rhythm section, the saxophone section, the trombone trumpet, like everybody, um, you know, to learn, uh, that aspect. So I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful uh, for that opportunity. Uh, but we know that with uh, different experiences is what makes, uh, could make your music experience in your journey, you know, that much more worthwhile.
0: Absolutely. So now I have the same question, but instead of what you would play, what would you like to conduct?
1: What would I like to conduct? Hmm. This is tough as well. I mean, there's so much uh, goodness. I think probably, probably an orchestral piece, actually. Um, thinking about Beethoven or um, even thinking about Mozart, like just one of their symphonies. Um, very expressive, very intense. Just to go back to that that time period, um, which is you know drastically different from now and the music of today. Um, so yeah, I would have to say an an orchestral piece, absolutely. And
0: right. I feel like both of your answers kind of highlight just the the vast spectrum that is you as a musician and your expression from all different styles and time periods to learn more about and how to express them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy learning about different genres, different styles. Um, I have a dance background, so that was always fun as well. Um, So, all of my experiences, I just, you know, throw them in my backpack and carry them along (laughs) with me.
0: That's right. And then um, where do you think this is a bit more of a serious question, but in thinking about Tau Beta Sigma, um, where do you hope that the organization goes next? And I'm purposely leaving it really as an open question for you.
1: Yeah, well, as always, with any organization, you know, you have that mission and you have that vision. Um, And certainly those things can change over time. Uh, based on what's happening, what's going on in the organization, what's going on in the world. So I hope, you know, that uh of Sigma is always striving um, to reach the, that mission, that vision, those goals, um, and to go beyond and to measure the outcomes um, to get better and better over time. And to, of course, you know, always strive for that sense of belonging. Uh, sense, that sense of community, that sense of welcoming, that type of nature, um, while also having very high standards, you know, I, I believe in high standards, not just for myself, but for others. Um, so thinking about thinking about that.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. And then is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, any final thoughts?
1: Um, no, not really. I just want to speak about an article that I have out, um, that's in the Teacher Music Magazine. It's in the August issue, um, and it's titled "Encouraging Minoritized Communities uh, to Pursue Graduate Music Degrees." And this is another piece about my work with representation. Um, you know, always advocating, always inspiring, encouraging, and empowering others, um, especially individuals who may feel like they don't have a voice or who may feel like they're not seen, um, know that you are seen, know that, you know, you are heard and know that there is a space and a place, not only in the music profession, but also in Tau Beta Sigma or in Kappa, Kappa Psi, um, just in the community and the family in general. Um, so this, this article speaks about, um, different strategies and approaches to, Applying for graduate school and looking for programs and questions that you should be considering um, to go to school such as funding, you know, how am I going to fund my education? Do you have a family? So what are you going to think about as far as funding there? Um, the different types of institutions are that are out here. Do you know that they, there are, um, you know, just, driven, service-driven organizations, uh, institutions out here, the different types, uh, the different types of schools. Do you want to do research? Uh, Do you want to go to a liberal arts college? So things like that, thinking about, it discusses uh, reaching out to professors in the graduate school and to those professors that you may want to study with um, because this is a very big and broad profession. And sometimes when somebody doesn't know you, then it remains the same. They don't know you, even when they see your application. Uh, So you want to, again, my big piece is being visible and being present. Um, So reaching out to these professors or reaching out to whomever you may want to work with or whatever institution that you may want to attend, that's extremely important because your application could go further than someone else's who did not reach out. Um, also thinking about you know just providing encouraging words uh, for you to take this step to to go ahead and do this um, if it's something that you have been thinking about and think about those people that maybe started a graduate program but they didn't finish because of a life's circumstance Um, but maybe now you're good to go and maybe you want to go back to school so um, this article discusses a lot of that information Um, So, yeah, I just want to talk about that. I will always uh, write content uh, to inspire, to empower, to uplift um, and to, you know, encourage others in the music profession. Um, So that's a big piece of what I do. It's a love. It's an interest of mine. Um, Just hoping to continue to do the work
0: all right well i hope that everyone has the opportunity to check out that article in the teaching music magazine and i do want to thank you dr webb for taking your time out of your evening to speak with me for the podcast Um, i also would like to just say thank you for the contributions you've already made for our organization and that will continue to take place through this biennium Um, i feel very lucky to be able to serve on the national council with you and i'm excited for the future
1: i'm excited as well thank you so much for this opportunity to speak with you and to share with our community once uh they get a listen to this uh podcast episode uh, and you know I'm, I'm looking forward to working with you and working with everyone else in the national council national headquarters um you know the chapters members non-members aspiring members uh so you know there's more work to do and
0: i'm looking forward to it if you've enjoyed this episode and want to listen to more, you can always find us on Anchor FM and wherever you're currently listening. Be sure to subscribe to the For Greater Knowledge podcast and give us a like while you're there. I'm Allison, this is the For Greater Knowledge podcast, and we're all working for greater bands.